الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد إن شاء الله today we will be covering سورة الكافرون and سورة الكوثر both of these surahs are Makki both of them give insight to the Prophet life in Makkah Mukarrama uh, before his migration to Medina Tayyibah. It gives insight to his da'wah and to some of the difficulties that he had to endure. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and when at the, he was at the age of 40, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the first ayat. Soon after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to give this message to the people around him. We covered in Surah Al-Lahab that uh, we, we covered how when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to Mount Safa and he announced and he warned the people how his uncle Abu Lahab dismissed him in a very harsh manner and because of that uh, uh, many others also then uh, uh, disrespected the Prophet and turned away. In the early periods when Nabi used to invite the people, the Quraysh and the leadership of the Quraysh were not as worried. They were not as worried. Um, you know, they thought that maybe this could be perhaps a phase, it may go get over. And there weren't a lot of people accepting Islam either at that time. Soon afterwards, though, when they start to realize that more and more people are starting to join and they're realizing that this is a serious issue, now they start to look at what to do. You have some of them who actually heard the Quran, who listened to the Quran and who recognized that the Quran was the truth. One of these examples was Walid ibn al-Mughira, right? Uh, in fact, he was one of the leaders of the Quraysh. And many others, they approached the Prophet They tried their best to dissuade other people from Islam as well. But again, they saw that Islam is, Nabi is inviting more and more people. This was an obligation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had put on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya ayyuhal rasoolu, ballig ma unzila ilayka min rabbik, wa illam taf'al fama ballagta risalata. O Messenger, go and invite, go and tell the people, deliver the message, ballig, deliver what has been revealed to you. And if you don't, وَإِلَّمْ تَفْعَلْ Then you have not delivered, you have not done the mess, you have not done uh, your, your job. وَإِلَّمْ تَفْعَلْ فَمَا بَلَّغْتَ رِسَالَتَ وَاللَّهُ يَعْصِمُكَ مِنَ النَّاسِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect you from the people. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, without any fear, whenever he would get the opportunity, he would tell people about Allah, he would tell people about Islam, he would tell people about the day of judgment about Jannah and about Jahannam. In fact, 
is one of the reasons that when you look in the Quran and you see the Meccan surahs and you analyze the Meccan surahs, you will find that majority of these surahs, they discuss matters related to Tawheed, oneness of Allah. They, they uh, relate to matters of Aqidah, of creed, of Risala, of the prophet, of prophethood. How Nabi Sallallahu is a prophet and how he is not the only prophet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent. In fact, he is the final link in the chain of noble messengers. You look through the Quran, many surahs are named after prophets. Yunus, Hud, Ibrahim, Yusuf, Nuh. You will find that majority of these surahs are Makki. Why? Because it was to instill in the people's idea that he is a messenger of Allah. He is sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he is not someone, as Allah ta'ala says in the Quran, قُلْ مَا كُنْتُ بِدْعًا مِنَ الرُّسُلِ I'm not, I'm not a new messenger in the sense that uh, uh, I'm the, the first of my kind. In fact, there are many, many messengers who came before. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the Prophet Follow the footsteps, follow the guidance, follow the path that is laid out by the other previous messengers. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these surahs talked about how when Allah ta'ala sent an, a messenger, how that messenger invited the people, how he delivered the message and told the people about Allah. In return, the messenger didn't take anything. I don't ask of any wage. I don't ask of any monetary you know, uh, uh, compensation for what I'm doing. And in these surahs, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the response that these messengers got from their people. And then how, when they disobeyed their messengers, soon after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's adab came, took them. So in these early stages, you'll find in, the, in all of the Makki surahs, you'll find that these are the general concepts, the general themes that these surahs revolve around. Likewise, Jannah, Jahannam, the day of judgment, Right? The Day of Judgment is one of those very important matters of creed. It sets our focus. In fact, the, this belief in the, in the day of, on the Day of Judgment, that after we die, there is a day in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will re resurrect all of mankind. And every single individual's deeds will be accounted for. This is one of those beliefs that actually set our world view. A Muslim is Muslim. Why? Because he keeps the Akhirah in mind. Whatever action he does, he thinks about the Akhirah first. Why? Because the Akhirah is everlasting. What is with you will perish soon. But what is with Allah is everlasting. Our condition, as Allah Ta'ala says, You have given preference to the life of this world. You prepare for this, the life of this world. You make arrangements for the life of this world. But you forget about the hereafter. 
you make your life in this world as if it is your final abode. بَلْ تُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وَأَبَقَى Whereas the hereafter is much better for you and it is everlasting. إِنَّ هَذَا لَفِي الصُّحُفِ الْأُولَى This is something that has been mentioned in the previous scriptures. صُحُفِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَمُوسَى In the scriptures of Musa, Ibrahim a.s. And in the scriptures of Musa a.s. It's already been mentioned. So when these ayat are now being recited, now no doubt, I don't, uh, uh, um, I don't deny the fact that it is difficult. You know, even today, when a person uh, learns about Islam and they're inclined towards Islam and they accept Islam, you know, we, uh, for those who are listening, if you are somebody who grew up as a Muslim, you have to appreciate, you have to recognize that a person who comes into the fold of Islam who was, uh, who was a non-Muslim before, recognized that that is very difficult. It's not easy. Most of the time it's not easy. The amount of difficulty that a person has to face when they come into the fold of Islam. They have to deal with family, number one, first and foremost. All of the things that maybe they used to be involved in, now, when they learn about Islam, although they, they love Islam, but it's difficult right, to, to come into to Islam. So you have to recognize SubhanAllah and you have to appreciate them. And no doubt Allah is the one who will give them their reward. But from our side, when any individual comes to our masajid, any individual comes to our communities, we should help them. We should assist them they should feel like, yes, we are their brothers. We are their sisters. In any case, you can imagine at that time now, slowly when people are accepting Islam, the Quraysh now begin to wonder what should be done, what should be done. At various times, they went to the uncle of the Prophet Abu Talib. Abu Talib, who also did not accept Islam, but he supported the Prophet ﷺ, he protected the Prophet ﷺ, and he himself was a leader of the Quraysh. They turned to him and they said, you know, tell your, your nephew, tell your nephew to leave what he's doing. Where, you know, at, at one point, many of them come to try to make a, some sort of compromise to, to uh, uh, um, see if, if they could make an offer to the Prophet ﷺ. This is where we hear the very famous incident from the seerah that when the Quraysh came to the uncle of the Prophet and they, they really uh, uh, pressured him. And then the uncle of the Prophet came to the Prophet and he also tried to pressure the, pressure the Prophet At that time, Nabi uh, became a little sad that this, uh, this uncle of mine who's supporting me, who, who's, who's uh, uh, assisting me, now he's also saying this, and so he made his famous statement that, oh, my uncle, if you were to put the sun in my right hand and the moon in my left, and he, this is no joke. Although this may be uh, an example, although this may be like a metaphor, but this was in all seriousness, there was no exaggeration. That there is no way I'm going to leave this deen. There's no way I'm going to leave the propagation of this deen. 
You can put the sun in my right hand. You can put the moon in my left hand. And you could give me the universe. You could give me the universe in exchange for me calling the people towards Allah. Yet, I would not accept that exchange. And when Abu Talib saw that resolve, he said, my nephew, do what you need to. Likewise, at other times, different individuals, different uh, leaders of the Quraysh approached the Prophet One of the leaders approached the Prophet and this is another famous incident from the seerah, where he said, you know, O Muhammad we're ready to give you whatever you want. If you want wealth, if you want us, to, you want wealth, we will gather wealth for you and give it to you. If you want women, we will gather the most beautiful of women and you can marry them. If you want to be our king, we will make you our king. Subhanallah, think about that. And if you feel that there is some sort of, you know, a jinn, there's some sort of, you know, evil that is afflicting you, then we will find the best of doctors, we will find the best of those who can treat these types of illnesses and cure you. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi just kept on listening, kept on listening, and finally he said, are you finished? He said, yes. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi started reciting ayat from Surah Al-Fussilat. And when the Prophet ﷺ came to those ayat where it talks about the adab that came down to, to the, the people of Hud, uh, the people of Hud and the people of Thamud, this individual, he got up and he said, please, please stop. I fear that the punishment may come down right now. Why? Because the kalam of Allah had such an impact on them, even they recognized that this is not, no ordinary human speech. Likewise, I mentioned the, the story of Walid ibn al-Mughira. They approached Walid ibn al-Mughira and said, you know, figure out something. What should we do? What should we do with the issue of the Prophet So he went as a leader and as a, as a senior individual of the, of the community. He went to the Prophet Nabi Sallallahu recited the Quran to him again. Uh, he also left. And then when the people saw him leaving, uh, Abu Jahl, and it comes in some narration, Abu Jahl saw his face and he said, oh, he's coming with a different face. Something is wrong. They approached and said, oh, Walid, you know, we're, we're thinking of gathering wealth for you and, and whatnot. He said, oh, why? So oh, it seems like you're going to go follow Muhammad now. I said, no, never. Except that, when I heard this kalam, he said, I, I, it's not the kalam, it's not kalam al-bashar. So what do we tell the people? How do we dissuade the people from listening to the Prophet So he thought, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recounts that whole incident. Leave the one who I created myself. And Allah ta'ala had given him everything. Allah ta'ala had given him wealth. Children who are present. It's one thing to have children. That's a ni'mah from Allah. But then to have your children with you, that's a great ni'mah. Because now your children are in service of you. And he's so much Allah Ta'ala gave, gave this individual. And now when the matter of kalamullah comes, now he's thinking. He thought, and imagine Allah Ta'ala gives you a whole visual here. 
right, in, in your mind. But this individual, he thought, he really thought, he thought about it, he turned, he looked, you know, he, he, he made a face. And then finally he said, you know what? Just, we can say that this is sorcery. In hadha illa qawlul bashar say it's just kalam of a, of a human being. It's a speech of a human being. It's sorcery. So Allah Ta'ala says in response, We will burn him and roast him in Jahannam. Why? Because he recognized the truth. And yet, because of his arrogance, because of his leadership, because of his pride, he did not want to, he did not want to forego all of that for the sake of Islam. One of the Sahaba, Abu Tufayl uh, ibn Amir al-Dawsi, anha, I believe his name. At one point in time, the Quraysh had any, uh, uh, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam would take the opportunity, and he would take uh, advantage of the Hajj opportunity, right? Hajj was one of those rights that even at the, at that time in Jahiliyyah and uh, early on, even when Hajj had not become uh, obligated in Islam, this was a practice that the Arabs used to do, although they they had their own, you know, variations and their own uh, uh, um, innovations that they had added to it. But it was nonetheless people from the different Arab tribes would come and do tawaf, the Kaaba and whatnot. And so Nabi Sallallahu would take advantage of the opportunity to invite people of different tribes toward, toward Islam. This is one of the ways that uh, Ahle Medina, the people of Medina heard about the Prophet Sallallahu and they talked to the Prophet Sallallahu it was during these occasions, Hajj occasions. But the Quraysh, they would create a propaganda. And you gotta give them credit. They, they did their best. They did their best. Any, you know, subhanAllah, uh, 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 they really uh, uh, went, you know, they did whatever they could to stop the Prophet and to cut off Islam from other people. You have to give them credit for that. Their ayat, Allah Ta'ala talks about, you know, all the different things that they, they did. All the different things that they said. So they would tell people who would come, they said, don't listen to this man. This man is a sorcerer. His, his sorcery is so powerful that it will uh, uh, cause, you know, uh, um, uh, corruption within your family. It will cause, you know, a, a husband and wife to, to break apart. It will cause, you know, disunity among father and son and mother and daughter and all kinds of different things. So this Sahabi, who at that time he wasn't a Sahabi, he was a leader of a tribe of Dos. He said, I was so scared. I, I, I came in putting, you know, uh, uh, cotton balls in my ears, putting something, blocking my ears from what he had to say. So then I saw him in the haram, in the mataf area, praying. And I said to myself, Subhanallah, I'm a leader of the Quraysh. I, I'm the leader of, of an Arab tribe. I'm among the leaders. I should be able to listen to what he's saying and judge for myself if it's right or wrong. So then he finally took it out. And at that time, it comes in some narrations, the Prophet was, was reciting Surah Al-Ikhlas, he heard that and he accepted Islam. Right? 
So they tried everything. So this surah here, Surah Al-Kafirun, is in the early stages. Is in the early stages when they're trying to make a compromise with the Prophet Sallallahu They're trying to make some sort of peace treaty, if you want to so call it. Okay. What is what does this surah say? A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Qul ya ayyuhal kafirun. La a'budu ma ta'budun. Wala antum abidun ma a'bud. Wala ana abidun ma abadtum. Wala antum abidun ma a'bud. Lakum dinukum waliyadin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Say, O Prophet, Say, Ya ayyuhal kafirun, O you disbelievers, I do not worship what you worship. La a'budu. I do not worship ma ta'budun what you worship. Wala antum abiduna ma a'budu. Nor are you worshippers of what I worship. Wala ana abidun ma abadtum. Nor shall I ever be a worshipper of what you worship. Nor shall you ever be worshippers of what I worship. For you is your religion and for me is my religion. In the books of Hadith, it comes that this surah came around the time when the Mushrikeen came to the Prophet and they said, okay, you know, why don't we worship your God for a year and then you worship our gods for a year? Let, peace treaty. Let's compromise. Let's make a let's make a compromise. Let's have a peace treaty. We won't do anything. Just don't say anything about our gods. How about one year you worship our gods and one year we worship your gods? Allah Taala clearly is sending to saying to the Prophet, let them know, declare it. Oh, you who disbelieve. Oh, you who do not believe in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Oh, you who who associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La a'budu ma ta'budun. Some scholars like Imam Bukhari rahimullah said, notice in these verses there's a repetition. Right? La a'budu ma ta'budun. And then, wala ana a'abidu ma abatun. Although this, these, both of these sentences are slightly different. For anyone who studied Arabic, you'll notice that verse 2 is a uh, verbal sentence and verse 4 is a nominal sentence. Whereas 3 and five are the same. The meaning here is, la a'budu ma ta'budun. I have not, and presently, I'm not worshiping any of your gods. I'm not worshiping what you worship. And you likewise presently are not worshiping what I worship. I will never worship. I will never worship what you are worshiping. And nor will you worship what I worship. And you have already, these are those disbelievers who've already made their minds that they're not going to accept Islam even though they have recognized the truth. So then, lakum dinukum waliyadin. Here, lakum dinukum waliyadin is not a declaration of permission that, okay, fine, I will worship what I worship. You can go ahead and worship what you worship. Rather, it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a, as a reprimand. Like, go ahead, go ahead. Let them know. For you is your religion, for me is my religion. And as we say in English, you reap what you sow. That fine, we will continue 
to do what we have to do. You continue to do what you do. On Yawmul Qiyamah, it will become very clear who is on Haq and who is on Batil. This was revealed. In our day today, now, what does this mean? There are one other you know, discussion I want to include with this, and that is, is it okay to make some form of peace treaty with those who are non-Muslims? In fact, we find in the lifetime of the Prophet that when he migrated to Medina Munawwara, he actually had treaties with the Jews, and at one point he even had treaties with the Quraysh. Nabi Sallallahu taught us a principle. That principle is, as it is fine to make a treaty of peace with those who are non-Muslim, as long as the peace treaty does not violate the commandments of Allah Ta'ala, as long as it does not make halal what Allah has made haram, and it does not make haram what Allah has made halal, in that case it is fine. This, this compromise that they were asking for was at the expense of a person's iman. You worship our gods for one year and we worship your god for a year. Unacceptable, unacceptable. We have to be very careful in today's day and age when there are so many slogans that are being declared and being advocated. We have to be very, very, very careful. What these individuals stand for. Sometimes it will be disguised, right? Different agendas will be disguised and hidden under slogans that are generally acceptable, that are things that in fact we would advocate for. But when you look in, into them, when you read about them, you find subhanallah, subhanallah, what they're advocating for, what, what, they, what they desire, what they want, what they stand for is not what we stand for. And you have to draw that line. You have to be very clear. People who go to like interfaith conferences, they have the same issue that they face. Muslims who participate in interfaith, at no point, you know, we, we think that, okay, if we go in these interfaith and have an interfaith dialogue, okay, we're all going to hold hands and we're going to say, okay, you're good, we're good. You have to recognize that our belief, we're, we're not apologetic. This, this is something that we believe in. This is our creed. We believe that a person who says, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, will enter into paradise. And anybody who believes contrary to that will not. If someone asks you, well, we think that Muslims are good and Muslims are, will also go into paradise. And they ask you, well, I, who, am not, who, am not, who, who is not a Muslim, will I also go into paradise? Well, we have to be very clear. A person who does not believe in Allah as, as the ultimate deity to be worshipped, and who does not believe in the messenger, وسلم, and does not believe in the tenets and, and creed that Allah has laid out, that person is not a Muslim. Likewise, today, we have these slogans. Uh, take, for example, the movement, uh, Black Lives Matter. Subhanallah. Black lives do matter. This is something that our deen has taught. It doesn't matter what the color of a person's skin is, whether he is white, whether he is black, whether he is brown. It doesn't matter what the color of his skin is. He is, each and every single human being is from the children of Adam, alayhi salam. 
يا ايها الناس انا خلقناكم من ذكر وانثى وجعلناكم شعوبا وقبائل لتعارفوا we created you oh mankind we created you from one man one woman كلكم من ادم وادم من تراب each one of you has been created from adam and know that adam was created from dirt Hence, each and every one of you is created from dirt. Don't think that just because of your race, don't think just because of your, the color of your skin that you are superior to another individual. If an individual is superior, if one is superior over another, it will only be, it will only be based on taqwa. Inna akramakum indallahi atqakum. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stating. Indeed, the most honored of you in the sight of Allah is the one that has the most taqwa. Inna akramakum indallahi atqakum. So we, Muslims, this is something very important that we have to recognize. When any person comes through our doors, to our, to, to our masajid, irrespective of color, irrespective of race, and they declare their Islam, we open our arms to them. They are our brothers, they are our sisters. This is one bond that can never be broken. One who, and in fact, this is the strongest bond. It is the strongest bond. Now, this movement, Black Lives Matter, most people, it sounds good. We, we believe it. These lives do matter. But the movement has to be separated from the slogan. Why? Because most of us look at the slogan. We agree with the slogan. In fact, it is very dear to us. It is very dear to our hearts. It is part of our creed. Yet, when you look at the movement and you go to their website and you read about them, and you see what they have, what they advocate for, and what their agenda is, you find that there are things that Islam does not allow. They are advocating. Part of their agenda is to promote LGBTQ. This is a type of lifestyle that we do not agree with. This is a type of lifestyle that we do not agree with. Sodomy and these types of lifestyles, these are things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has condemned. The people of Lut alayhi salam, people can spin it, spin the story, they can look at it however, but you look into the Quran, uh, very clearly Allah ta'ala mentioned that these people were punished because openly these individuals used to be engaged in sodomy. This is a type of lifestyle we do not agree with. Two men getting married, we do not agree with. We have to be very clear. We, you know, if we are not open and clear about this, I fear, may Allah Ta'ala protect us, but slowly, slowly we are seeing this shift. Where now today, if you start to talk about this, in, in certain places, you are condemned. Allah forbid a time comes when, when we start to, to, to speak about this, we get punished for it. 
make dua a lot that that never happens but in order for that we have to be very clear where we stand for what we stand with so we will not compromise anything that is part of our faith that is part of our deen just because of peace just because of just because we want the other people to be with us keep in mind you can be together but it's not necessary for you any people think that if we say this it means that muslims can no longer integrate muslims cannot enter it is part of this society you know subhanallah is part of this constitution that you could you have the right to believe what you believe in we're not we have integrated this is our integration we speak about what we believe in this is our right this is our religious freedom you have to keep that in mind now even even if it's not popular in some places that we we believe we believe that marriage is sacred that marriage is something that is between a man and a woman we have to stand firm on it that's what we believe in that's what we believe in we're not advocating for violence we're not advocating for uh 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 you know destruction of property and destruction of wealth and or anything like that this is our belief we don't want our children to be exposed to this in any case so any time any of these types of dialogues or peace treaties bring you to a point where they're asking you to compromise something that is a major tenant of your of your faith of your creed i'm sorry that's some where that's that's the that's a line that we as muslims cannot cross huh if it's something social if it's something that's not related to creed then no problem as as you saw within madina munawwara the jews were worshiping they were allowed to worship they did what they were doing but there was a peace treaty between them and the muslims <clears throat> in any case this is surah al-kafirun after this after this after these you know uh, attempts to make peace treaties with the prophet sallallahu the quraish and then on top of that seeing that the numbers of muslims are just increasing 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 this is the point where the quraish started to become hostile they started to become more and more hostile that's why you see that towards the end of the makkan period they had reached the pinnacle of hostility the types of torture that they did to the muslims yani if when you read the accounts of the kinds of tortures that they did to some of the the muslims you will have tears coming down your eyes individuals like bilal radiyallahu an khabbab radiyallahu an musab ibn umair radiyallahu an the kind of difficulties that they they faced you read that period Of, of, of from the seerah and subhanallah your eyes will start to cry your heart will cry at this point they when they realize that they cannot make any sort of compromise they nabi sallallahu is not going to compromise his faith and the muslims are not going to compromise their faith that's when they start to become hostile that's where we find at one point they we talked about in one of the other surahs they they boycotted the the families of banu hashim and banu muttalib subhanallah so inhumane 
these types of things happen and they have always happened. For those people who believe in Allah and who stick to their faith, generation after generation, they've went through difficulties. Allah Ta'ala talks about, for example, Banu Israel during the time of Musa السلام, during the reign of Fir'aun. There are people who were under the slavery of Fir'aun, working for Fir'aun in a very hostile environment. And now when Musa السلام, comes and Musa السلام, is trying to empower them and teaching them about faith, what does Fir'aun and his people say? Oh, he's trying to cause chaos in our society. He's trying to cause corruption. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved them, protected them. So this, this type of thing happens every generation. Unfortunately, it is us who, who, who is disconnected from our history. We don't know. We don't know Islamic history. We don't know Muslim history. We don't know the history of those who have believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the difficulties that they went through. <clears throat> So after this, the Quraysh start to become very, very hostile. Now, we get to Surah Al-Kawthar. The background of Surah Al-Kawthar is that during this very time, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his son passed away. In some narrations, it comes that his son Qasim. From the books of Sirah, we find that Nabi Sallallahu had two sons from Khatija radiallahu anha, four daughters and two sons from Khatija radiallahu anha. Both of these sons passed away. And likewise, in Medina Munawwara, Nabi Sallallahu had a son with his wife, Maria, with, uh, uh, with Maria Qibtiya, and his name was Ibrahim. He also passed away in, at a very, very young age. So at this time, when in Makkah Mukarrama, his son passes away, the, some of these Quraysh who are, have such animosity, subhanAllah, they say, oh, you don't need to worry about him anymore. He's abtar. They used to use the word abtar. Abtar literally means to be cut off. Any, don't, be, don't be afraid of, you know, of what he's doing. Very soon, this religion is going to die out. Why? Because he doesn't have anybody to carry on his lineage. Why? Because again, this is a very tribal society. And even today in our society too, we recognize that uh, uh, we have in our, some uh, cultures that the, it's the son who carries on the work of the father. We know that lineage is through the father as well. And especially during that time, this was very much so the case. And even today in certain societies and certain cultures, the son inherits and the son takes on the responsibility of the father. So father is of a certain pr profession, the son will go in certain societies. We don't see that in here in, in, in the West, but especially in Eastern society, in Eastern cultures, you find this to be the case. And it was like that at once upon a time here too. That the son would carry on and inherit whatever the father is doing. So if the father is, is, let's say, he owns a particular business, then eventually the son would also inherit that. Right? The, the whole idea of monarchy is what? Is passed uh, 
kingship is, is from father to son, or if not, if there's no son, then the next of kin, then the next of kin, then the next of kin. So their idea, because look, they're, they're thinking from a very worldly and from a very material perspective. They're not thinking of from an ukhrawi perspective because they don't believe in an akhirah. So they're thinking what? Oh, he has no heir. Nabi Sallallahu has no living, surviving heir that's going to carry on the name, that's going to carry on this work. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala responds that perhaps Nabi Sallallahu may not have a living heir, but he is a Nabi. And the, the, the inheritance of a Nabi in the words of the Nabi Sallallahu himself is through knowledge. And what could be greater than the knowledge of the Qur'an? And in fact, those who believe in Allah, those who believe in the Prophet they are the spiritual inheritors of the Prophet The Prophet is like their spiritual father. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, النَّبِيُّ أَوْلَى بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَأَزْوَاجُهُ أُمَّهَاتُهُمْ The Prophet is one who is more of a guardian of, of these believers, even more than themselves. And he cares for them even more than themselves. And his wives are their mothers. Shows what? Yes, it is true. مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَخَاتَمَ النَّبِيهِ It is true that the Prophet is, no, is not a father to any of the men that are alive. But he is the messenger of Allah. And as I said in the previous, as we talked about in the previous surah, if there is no bond that is stronger than faith, than of iman, then what connects is the Prophet So then, we are all, in from that perspective, the heirs of the Prophet In the hadith of the Prophet Nabi mentions very clearly that uh, that the ulama, the scholars, are the inheritors of the prophets. It's not, they don't inherit wealth, they don't inherit dinar and dirham. They inherit, they inherit ilm. Ilm of And after the Prophet, there will be no prophet, but the knowledge of revelation. This will go on from generation to generation to generation. The, the people of this ummah will carry out the work of the Prophet. Kuntum khayra ummatin ukhrijat linnasi ta'muruna bil ma'rufi wa tanhawna anil munkari wa tu'minuna billah. You are the best of the people. Why? Because you command good and you prohibit evil. Why? What? Allah commands is good. What Allah prohibits is evil. What, the things that Allah has prohibited, those are things evil. That's why Allah Ta'ala has prohibited. That's they're prohibited from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Hence, they're evil. And you are people who abide by it. And you are people who order others to go, do good and refrain from evil. Hence, you are kuntum khayra ummah. You are the best. So here, these kuffar are mocking the Prophet and saying that he has, he has no one to carry on? No, think again, think again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا أعطيناك الكوثر فصل لربك وانحر إن شانئك هو الأبتر Indeed, we have given you, O Prophet wasallam, Al-Kawthar. The linguistic meaning of Al-Kawthar is abundance. That's why some of the scholars have said that Al-Kawthar means abundance. Now, it is true that there is a river there is a, in, in, uh, uh, in Jannah that is called Al-Kawthar, of which there are streams and there are rivers that flow out from it into uh, will will flow out from there on the on yomul qiyama that is also called kawthar some have said that al kawthar here is specifically referring to that pond specifically referring to the waters of that river others have said no it is referring to general abundance and part of that abundance is also the the nahar or the haud of, of Kothar. The waters of Kothar is also included in that general abundance. Whichever you take, it could be both. But this is part of our creed that yes, there is a pond of Kothar. Here Kothar is not just some sort of metaphor either. It, it could be that is referring to abundance and it could also be referring to Al-Kawthar, the pond. Irrespective of what the meaning is, there is a pond. It is established through a hadith and we believe it. Nabi Sallallahu in Ahadith, it is described that this pond of Gotha, in one Ahadith it comes that one time the Prophet Sallallahu was sleeping and he woke up smiling. And the Sahaba asked, Ma What is making you smile, O Messenger of Allah? said, A surah has been revealed to me. فَقَرَأَ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ So he recited, بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ He recited the whole surah. And he said, أَتَدُرُونَ مَا الْكَوْثَرِ Do you know what kawthar is? قُلْنَا اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُ أَعْلَمُ The Sahaba رضي الله عنه responded, Allah and his Rasul know best. قَالَ فَإِنَّهُ نَهْرٌ وَعَدَنِيهِ رَبِّي It is a river that my Lord has promised me. عليه خير كثير and there it has abundance of good وهو حوض ترد عليه أمتي يوم القيامة it is a pond in, on which uh, my ummah will come and they will take from its water and it comes in the narration it comes in some other descriptions that the um the channels that uh, that are uh, bring the water are from paradise and it will have more cups than the stars in the sky it will have more cups that the cups will be more than even the stars in the sky and that its banks will be beautified and adorned with pearls and the water it's the description of the cleanliness and the sweetness of of, of of its waters is also mentioned in in the hadith 
When such a great ni'mah Allah Ta'ala is given, then what does Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala say to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? So pray to your Lord and sacrifice. This is a general principle we learned and we talked about it before too. Anytime Allah Ta'ala has given you any ni'mah, then that ni'mah requires that you worship Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. What could be a greater ni'mah than the fact that Allah has given us Islam? Allah has given us Iman. Allah Ta'ala has given us His Kalam. Allah Ta'ala has made us from the Ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We should be people who are day and night worshipping Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Thinking about Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Being engaged in the dhikr of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Here, two forms of worship have been mentioned. Why? Because these are two of the highest forms of ibadah. Salat. Salat, you find so many narrations, so many verses that talk about prayer. Rabbi, One heart and sacrifice. Some scholars have written that the reason why sacrifice has been mentioned is because the kuffar used to sacrifice to their idols. And so here Nabi Sallallahu is ordered to sacrifice an animal for the sake of Allah. As to the one who detests you, Indeed, your, your enemy, the one who detests you, he is the one that is cut off. He is the one that is cut off. And this is what they're saying about you? No, they don't realize. They, they're thinking from a very material perspective. The reality is they, those who are your, your detesters, those who, who uh, uh, um, are your enemies, they're the ones who are cut off. Today, subhanAllah, if they're, they, they were talking about from perspective of lineage, take from the perspective of lineage. Where are, their, where are their families? And if, subhanAllah, their names were not preserved today in the books of Sirah, we wouldn't have even known who the, these people are. Abu Jahl, Walid ibn al-Mughira, whoever they may be. Utbah and, and, and others. We wouldn't have known who they were had, had their names not been preserved in the books of Hadith. And for till Qiyamah, they will be known as those who... tried to hurt the Prophet who tried to be barriers, tried to prevent the people from Islam. And on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala knows best the kind of adab that they will be in. They will be cut off. They will truly be cut off from all good. They will be truly cut off from all good. May Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, we make dua that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala keep us steadfast on faith. Keep us steadfast on faith, even if it's not popular. May Allah Ta'ala preserve our iman, the iman of our children. Make our children righteous and pious. May Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala preserve iman in our generation, in the generations to come. And may Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala raise us among the believers and allow us to be from those who will partake from the waters of Kotha. It comes in the narration that on Yom Al-Qiyamah, there will be some who will come to the, the waters of Kothar and the Malaika will bar them. And Nabi Sallallahu will ask, why are you stopping them? And they will say, Ya Rasulullah, you don't know what they did after you. Innaka la tadri ma ahdatha ba'dak. Ya Rasulullah, you don't know what he did after. Some say this is referring to the hypocrites. And those who may have accepted Islam in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, but later on they left the fold of Islam. 
could be any of these individuals. We make dua, Ya Allah, don't make us from among those people. Make us from those who are able to drink from the waters, the blessed waters of Kothar. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka.